Hi, everyone. This is Ben Cavardo with ESPN Communications, and I want to welcome you to the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball Media Conference Call. We appreciate all of your, your participation today, and thank you for joining. Uh, we're here to discuss the new Sunday Night Baseball team. As you're aware, we announced on Tuesday of this week that World Series champion and 14-time MLB All-Star Alex Rodriguez has joined the booth as an analyst and veteran baseball broadcaster Matt Veskersian will become just the third-ever voice of Sunday Night Baseball, joining John Miller and Dan Schulman in that category. Alex and Matt join Olympic gold medalist Jessica Mendoza, who is, of course, the first female baseball analyst on national television, now entering her third year, her third full season, I should say, in the booth. Uh, veteran journalist Buster Olney will also return as a reporter on Sunday Night Baseball. The first SNB telecast of the season is April 1st when the defending National League champion Los Angeles Dodgers host the San Francisco Giants at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. The full schedule is available on ESPNMediaZone.com. On today's call, we are joined by Alex, Matt, and Jessica, as well as Stephanie Drooley, ESPN Senior Vice President of event and studio production. And at this time, I'm going to kick it to Stephanie for a few brief remarks, and then we'll go right into your questions. Stephanie. Thanks, Matt. Uh, thanks, Ben. I wanted to um, thank everybody for joining us. We are extremely excited to bring this group together. In Alex and Jessica, the, we have two former athletes from diverse backgrounds who have achieved everything you can achieve in their individual sport. Um, and Matt, we have an exceptional voice behind the microphone. And together, we believe they'll form the best, the very best booth in baseball. And this will be a team that will educate fans, entertain fans, and most importantly, I think, share their unbridled passion for the game. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank Fox Sports and MLB Network for supporting us and agreeing to let um, Alex and Matt uh, moonlight with us a little bit, and um, we're happy to have those kind of relationships and partnerships with MLB to allow this to happen. So I'm sure most of the questions will be for the people who get paid to talk. So I will turn it over to them. Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, let's get right into your questions now. We'll start with Jared Diamond at the Wall Street Journal, followed by Neil Best at Newsday. Jared. Uh, hey, Alex. Uh, two questions. One uh, about just ESPN, sort of why did you decide you wanted to take on, uh, you know, a, a whole other job, doing a whole other full season of games? And second of all, just on baseball in general, like you're a big Miami guy. Uh, I'm curious what your reaction has been to seeing uh, the Marlins sort of having their roster dismantled the way it has been all, all the last couple months. Hi there. Yes, thank you. Um, look, I, I mean, I think for me, I think as well, it's been well documented how much I love the game, the passion that I have for the game. Um, you know, my father played baseball. I've been playing baseball since I was in Pampers and I absolutely love it. And, you know, when you think about baseball, uh, Sunday night baseball, uh, I grew up watching it. I grew up watching it with my mother every Sunday night, with my brother, with my sister. And in many ways, John Miller and Joe Morgan were the voice of baseball uh, at a national level. So I'm very excited to be joining Matt and Jessica. Um, and it's going to be a, a really fun time. And the other question about about the Marlins and just your reaction to how their offseason's gone with all the moves they've made, kind of dismantling that roster. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, look, I've been in Miami for a really long time, and I, I've seen this happen uh, more than once. Um, I know the fans down there are extremely uh, hungry for a winner. Uh, I think Miami has the potential to be one of the best baseball markets uh, in the world. If you think about, uh, in my opinion anyways, the greatest players uh, in the world probably reside 500 miles uh, within that stadium. So just like Jimmy Johnson recruited uh, in football, I think um, the Marlins have uh, a similar opportunity both to draft local players or perhaps to bring 
local players that go away, uh, whether that's Manny Machado or Hosmer, like, and bring them back to Miami. And there's a lot of benefits that Miami has. They have a lot of superpowers. They have a very uh, diverse fan base that uh, is very uh, has a lot of knowledge. And we saw that in the World Baseball Classic. So uh, I wish them the best. I'm, I'm always uh, hoping that the, that the local team does well. And, uh, you know, I'm just watching like everybody else right now. Thank you, Jared. Let's go to Neil Best with Newsday, followed by Bob Nightingale with USA Today. Uh, for Alex, how many games in the booth did you end up doing with Fox last year, and, and, what, and, and what do you think about Obviously, you got good reviews with the studio stuff. What is it about the game booth that you kind of liked and think you could um, transition well there? And also for Jess, just uh, what you thought, what your reaction was when you heard about these two new partners you were getting? Jessica, I'll let you go first. Well, I, I was excited, obviously. Um, I met Matt back um, in 2004. Uh, he called uh, my first Olympics that I played in in Athens of just small, small worlds. And I remember seeing him again the first time I was in the booth in 2015. He made a point when he was with Fox on a Saturday game just to come up and kind of remind me of those days back in playing um, and just at a time when it was, it was really nice to see a familiar face, I guess, um, in a season that was, was kind of a whirlwind. Um, so I'll always appreciate that. So when I found out that he was, he was coming over, I was really excited. And Alex, I mean, I've known Alex for a long time, back to my playing days at Stanford and respected his career, his knowledge for the game. I mean, I've tried to pick his brain so much on hitting. And so I'm looking forward just to, to learn more um, from him and uh, sit next to him in the booth. Yeah, for me, I did uh, three games, uh, Joe Buck and two with Kevin Burkhart. And, you know, again, I mean, you're only as good as um, those around you. And obviously very fortunate to have two dear friends uh, help me out and uh, who have been mentors to me in the space. So uh, I feel very lucky to be uh, along with Matt who is uh, like the Shakespeare of baseball. He's a source. And, uh, and Jessica, where do you start? I mean, you have a, a master's degree from Stanford. You have a gold medal and someone who worked extremely hard. I, I know that firsthand because she would call me to, to ask me about certain situations, and I always appreciated her work and dedication. And, you know, for someone like me who has two daughters and comes from a single mother, um, I'm really, really grateful for Jessica breaking glass and ESPN giving her that opportunity because maybe girls like mine one day have an opportunity to do the same. So as far as I go, uh, I'm just, I know I'm going to have a lot of work to do and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Do you like one or the other better, the studio or the games? Well, I, I haven't done enough games to really tell you that. I know that I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it, but uh, the studio, we had a blast, and we had a great crew. We have you know, unbelievable producers, and, uh, you know, it, it, it all be, it's all about chemistry, right? The one thing that I can tell you is Kevin's become one of my best friends in the world. Barty is one of my best friends, and, and we lived it. We saw it, and, and to the point that when the World Series was over, there was it was anticlimactic in a sense where uh, we were all a little sad, a little depressed that baseball was over for at least four or five months. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Let's go to Bob Nightingale with USA Today, followed by Ron Blum at the Associated Press. Hey, Matt, congratulations. The, uh, when this opportunity came about, what, was it a no-brainer for you, or was it a tough decision? And also, are you, are you open one day to becoming a, a play-by-play guy for, uh, for a team, you know, like you did back in the day with the Padres? Uh, hi, Bob. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I mean, I would never say no to anything down the road because who knows where any of us are going to be and what any of us are going to want to do 10 years from now. Um, and as far as this being no-brainer, it was pretty close. I mean, the Sunday night booth is it's it's just one of those coveted chairs. And um, what made it tough was my relationship at Fox, and uh, I'd been doing games there one way or another since 98, so felt like I had a lot of skin in the game there, as Alex did. Um, but the business kind of connecting 
more and more these days, and that's to say rights holders who are willing to share, um, as ESPN and Fox and MLB are here, it, it doesn't feel like you're leaving um, the family because everybody as a, base, as a baseball rights holder gets along pretty well, which I think is pretty cool. So uh, the only reservation I had was just saying goodbye temporarily to some friends in the, in the truck at Fox, but I know I'll see them at the ballpark on weekends anyway. Uh, and the ESPN Sunday night chair is, is such a coveted spot that, yeah, it was pretty close to a no-brainer for me. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Bob. Let's go to Ron Blum at AP, followed by Barry Jackson at the Miami Herald. Hey, Alex, and everyone else. Uh, well, Alex, what is your opinion of the proposed 20-second pitch clock and the limits on mound visits? And as you have watched the game since retiring as a player, are you frustrated at all by some of the slowdowns and lack of pace? Oh, boy. That's, how you doing, Ron? That, that's a tough one. You know, I mean, look, we're all trying to make the game better. I, I will say that we have tremendous leadership starting at the top with Rob Manfred and Tony Petiti and his whole entire staff. I mean, these folks work uh, literally around the clock on how they're going to make the game better, how they're going to engage with the youth. Um, the game has a lot of good parts, but obviously for us, uh, we want to – keep the attention, especially of, of the youngsters. And uh, I am open and I'm always uh, open to new ways to try to make the game better. So I think there's going to be a trial and error. Not everything's going to be perfect. But I think for all of us in this call who love the game, we have to have an open mind and understand that it's a very fluid time. And we're competing for eyeballs when there's more distractions today than ever before. Do you view it differently now watching the game as a media or a spectator and on pace issues than you did when you were playing the game? I, I got to tell you, Ron, I, I sit there and I, I love the game so much and it's so much fun to watch. And you're sitting there in the World Series and we have a front row seat. And look, economically, the game is doing fantastic. We're, we're nearing $10 billion as an industry. Um, it was one when I entered in 1994. So that part is great. There's great young players. Uh, you know, when you think about Carlos Correa, Bryce Harper, the Machados, Mike Trout. Um, and then you have great players in their prime uh, playing for, you know, major markets, like obviously playing Kershaw and Aaron's Judge. But uh, it's it's – I don't think the game's ever been healthy, and it's, it's fun to watch. So I, I, I am biased. I am the wrong person to ask. I can watch a five-hour game, and <laughs> I know you guys will probably hang up on me now. So, Okay, thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Barry Jackson with the Miami Herald, followed by Dan Martin with the New York Post. Hi, Alex. Obviously, you've opted to go into broadcasting rather than any of the number of other things you could do, including being part of owning a team. Was pursuing the Marlins joining uh, Jorge Mas's group at all appealing or tempting to you last summer? Yeah, you know, I'm going to echo what Matt said a little bit. I mean, I think you never say uh, never, right, because never is a really long time. But I thought for someone who just finished playing, I have two daughters. Um, uh, I know Jessica and Matt also are very, um, you know, they keep that as a high priority. Obviously, family always comes first. And I just wanted to take a breath before I got back into the game as far as at that level. So I never thought about it too much, although I can't tell you that it didn't run through my mind for a minute because I did receive a lot of phone calls. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball Media Conference Call with Matt Vescursion, Alex Rodriguez, Jessica Mendoza, and ESPN Senior Vice President Stephanie Drooley. Let's go to Dan Martin with the New York Post, followed by Mike McCarthy with Sporting News. Hey, Alex. Uh, as someone who was there for the early stages of the Yankee uh, youth movement, I was curious what you thought of their offseason and kind of the forward movement of that. And also, uh, I know you still had a, a relationship with, with Hal last year, you know, as a special advisor. And what, what's the status of that going forward? So, um, 
you know, I thought, look, for, for I really, really enjoyed watching the Yankees beat David for, for a change, right? For the first time in probably over 25 years, they weren't Goliath. Uh, they created uh, an incredible um, clubhouse culture, um, and they were well-balanced from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, obviously you would always welcome a talent like Stanton. I think, the, you know, there's a lot of pros to that. Um, the question is, what does that do to a clubhouse? Uh, how does that shift the pressure on, on Aaron Boone? Um, you know, what does that do to the comfort level of someone like Aaron Judge? And now you shift to going from David back to Goliath. So there's always great pros, but you also have to see what are the ramifications. Um, what, is it, what does it do to the DH spot? And what, how does that affect Gary Sanchez, right? So it's like an ar- architect. There's a lot of moving parts, right? And uh, you can't put six garages in a 4,000-square-foot four, house. So... Uh, or eight garages. So it'll be very interesting to watch because what they had last year was so special. As a Yankee fan, you obviously hope that it elevates the game, elevates their game. And and are you going to have uh, a role with the Yankees uh, going forward this, in, this year? Uh, look, I, I always want to be a Yankee, and I'm having conversations um, with Hal, and uh, right now I'll keep those private, but they're, they've been very positive. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Dan. Let's go to Mike McCarthy with Sporting News, followed by Tom Hofarth with the Los Angeles Daily News. Alex, hi. Uh, can you talk about how your TV work has helped turn around your image uh, from three or four years ago? And then another question for Alex, Jessica, and Matt. Is there an opportunity here for baseball to gain some ground against the NFL as the NFL seems to struggle a little bit in the ratings and popularity. Alex, you want to start that off, and then we'll go to Jess and Matt? Um, sure. You know, I, it's funny, because I was actually talking to, to Matt a little bit about this uh, not so long ago. And, you know, when you go on television and you go out and <laughs> – and you talk about how much you love the game and you're talking about great players and you're trying to describe things to, to our fans. I think um, you have an opportunity to essentially take the helmet off, right, and reveal a little bit more about who you are and, uh, you know, make fun of yourself a great deal, which I love to do. I actually love more when people make fun of me. Uh, that's why Matt and I get along so well. So, <laughs> um yeah, I think it's just it's just been a, a good thing. But again, uh, being myself and 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 trying to show how much I love uh, the game and, and convey that is, is what I try to do. And then Matt and Jessica on the baseball gaining ground on the NFL point. Matt, do you want to start there? Yeah, you know, I don't think any of us really think of um, competitively gaining ground on another sport. I mean, I'm. I'm an NFL fan. I mean, I, I'm an NBA fan. I, uh, I think, um, you know, there's certainly room for all of us to grow and uh, have a strong, vibrant fan base. Uh, you know, if anything, baseball competes with itself in terms of how much baseball our fan base can consume. And, you know, with being able to spread out on multiple platforms like what they do on the dot-com side at MLB, uh, through ESPN.com, Sunday Night Baseball. I mean, you can go anywhere for baseball now. It's much different than when I was a kid, and I was that uh, you know socially awkward guy that would sit home and listen to an A's game on the radio while all the other kids were out playing in the streets and you know dating and having a great time. You know, now you can get it on your phone. You can get it everywhere. So I don't think we're competing with the NFL or the NBA per se. Um, we're just happy to be a part of growing the game that we like the most. Yeah, I, I just get excited about baseball. I mean, I watch other sports, and it's I don't think about it how it compares. Maybe maybe some of the TV side of it, like, oh, it's a cool thing that Gruden might have just done with a write-up on a replay or something that maybe we can incorporate into our broadcast, but it's more so from just learning 
from the TV side versus the sport and the ratings and how it's growing, what it's doing politically. To me, it's like, how can we just get more people to watch this game? I love this game, but I come from a different background. So I like to think about it as how do we get the fan that didn't grow up like Alex, that just loves the game from the moment they were born? How do we get the the woman, the man, whoever, the kid that, that turns on the TV and just says, this is a really cool game to watch. Um, so that's that's my challenge. That's the challenge I love about this group too um, and moving forward because I think we're just going to keep progressing with it. But my biggest thing is, is baseball has a really high ceiling for where the game is right now and not just the talent that Alex spoke about, um, you know, with, with so many guys that are exciting to watch, but also where we're at with the knowledge, um, the information, with the numbers and how we can creatively as a, as a television, uh, being able to incorporate that so it's educating the viewer so everyone gets it and gets just as excited as us nerds that have loved it since we were kids. All right, thank you, and good luck this season. Thank you. Let's go to Tom Hofarth with the L.A. Daily News, uh, followed by John Teal at MLB.com. Thanks. Uh, first, I had a quick question for Stephanie, then I wanted to get back with something in A-Rod. Hey, Stephanie, can you talk about the logistics that came about and having Alex work for both Fox and ESPN, and if it had anything to do with the recent merger talks with Disney and Fox, or was it something more complicated than that? Um, it was less complicated than that. So it had absolutely nothing to do with merger conversations. Um, that I can say from our side wholeheartedly. Um, I It was pretty, you know, pretty simple. We had an interest. I think Alex had a strong desire and he has a great relationship with Fox and um, some conversations were had and some conversations were had um, with MLB and with MLB Network about um, Matt and, you know, it was, it was not um, a giant hill to climb. It was a pretty easy, um, it was a pretty easy thing to get done and I think it speaks to our relationships and you know this is not unprecedented. We we have shared um, talent with other networks. Um, you know, Beth Moens, for example, has did a few CBS NFL games this year. Jay Billis has done some CBS. And Curtis Strange has done golf with Fox. Um, we there, there's a long list. This is not unprecedented. So it was not a um, it it was not a a hard thing to do. It and that's really a credit to our relationships and, and sort of everybody's everybody being all in on what's best for the game and um, really really nothing to do with merger talks from, from our side of things. Okay, great, thanks. And for Alex, I'm fascinated, too, about how the media has contributed to your image and your brand transformation, rehabilitation over the last few years not just from you being on the air, but sort of the media narrative that's sort of been going on with you over the last three or four years. Can you sort of speak to how that is, how you sort of get your head around that and seeing the power of the media and how it can help you in different ways? Well, I mean, thank you for the question. First of all, I, I've changed. So it starts with you, right? And I think one of the things that, um, this is Tom, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Tom. So I, I, I changed. And once I served my suspension and I had that whole year to sit down and think and reflect, um, I wanted to, uh, in many ways, turn the lens inward and, and try to figure out a better way because I knew that uh, I needed some type of paradigm shift. And uh, the suspension was long enough, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, to allow me to think about changes and, and putting that change uh, in motion. And I did not know at 40, um, coming back after suspension, after two hip surgeries, after two knee surgeries, if I was uh, good enough to make the team or healthy enough to make the team. But I certainly wanted to hang out enough um, to prove to myself and others around me that I was incredibly grateful um, and thankful to have an opportunity to put the pinch drives back on and to be one of 750 uh, of the lucky people that get to wear a Major League Baseball uniform. And uh, I knew I could control that part. I didn't think uh, or I didn't know I could hit 33 home runs and help us get back to the postseason. 
But the first part, I, I'm, I'm probably even more proud of. And then the other quick follow-up, too. You've seen how some people have rehabilitated their image by being in the media and getting a whole different uh, perspective of, of their narrative. Is that any sort of long-range strategy? I know as you think about the Hall of Fame and how things come up and how people vote for certain things and how you're, you can sort of control your narrative from going on, is that any part of your thinking, or is this sort of a residual effect of that? I mean, look, I would be sitting here lying to you if I said it wouldn't be a, an absolute dream to get into the Hall of Fame. Of course, I would want to get into the Hall of Fame, but I certainly don't control that. Uh, but, but I think what I can control is my behavior, my actions, uh, what kind of friend I am, what kind of father I am, uh, what kind of teammate I am to people like uh, Matt and Jessica and, and Kevin Burkhardt and Joe Buck, whoever is my teammate, right? So, um I think it's not an image, you know. I mean, this is a, a long ride and it's a slow burn, and nothing's going to happen easy. Um, you know, what I enjoy most now, to be honest with you, is visiting with high school kids or, or college kids and uh, talking to them about the mistakes I've made, and hopefully they don't make the same mistakes. Thanks so much, Alex. Thank you. I should remind everyone that there will be a transcript of this conference call uh, issued, issued wide later this afternoon. It will also be available on ESPNMediaZone.com. Let's continue with John Teal at MLB.com, followed by Mike Osugata at Yahoo Sports. John. John, are you there? Okay, we'll go back to John. Let's go to Mike at Yahoo Sports, followed by Shlomo Sprung at Awful Announcing. Hey, Alex. Um, I wanted to know, when you retired, what did you think was going to happen, and how different has it been in the in the couple of years since then with all the stuff that you've done? Oh, boy. I have no idea, Mike. I honestly have no idea. I mean... Uh, I knew I knew this. I knew that um, I've always wanted to uh, be in business. Uh, I started my business probably about 18 years ago, and to be quite honest, I didn't think I would have many options. So I was at least mentally uh, getting myself ready to be in the office and just be dad and be local in Miami and uh, you know spend as much time as I can with my girls. And um, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's the extent of it. I didn't, I didn't have many plans after baseball besides family and just running the, the everyday family business. How, how then have you approached when, when new stuff comes up? I mean, it almost seems like you're competing with Michael Strahan to be on the most things on TV. Um, like, how, how, do you, how do you gauge what you want to do? Mike, say the first part of your question again, please. How do you how do you decide what 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 new um, ventures you're going to take on? You know, be it TV or, or anything else. Look, it starts with 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 passion. I mean, fortunately, I'm in a position that I can um, do things that I love to do with people that I like and respect, and uh, surround myself with people I'm going to learn a great deal with, and and people that are going to inspire me and motivate me too. So. Uh, ESPN is, is right in the wheelhouse. This opportunity was uh, Sunday night baseball. And uh, to to echo what Matt said, I mean, it's, it's one of the most coveted three seats in, in all of sports, not just baseball. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Let's go to Shlomo Sprung with Awful Announcing, followed by David Barron with the Houston Chronicle. Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, this is for... Um, Alex and Matt. Uh, Stephanie alluded it uh, to earlier the uh, the process of just being brought in by ESPN here. What was that like for you guys? And what pressure you might face with these high profile broadcasts, uh, especially you know never having worked together before. Um, as far as pressure, uh, Shlomo, I think. I don't know, until you've made a bunch of mistakes on the air, you're going to feel more pressure. I mean, look, I've boxed it so many times on the air, it's, I can't even keep track. And until you fail a little bit, you don't have the confidence to, to succeed. 
So in terms of pressure, yeah, there are more eyeballs on us here on Sunday night for sure. But the minute you let that get to the way you call a game is when you're you're going to whiff. And um, we've we've all done that before, I think, in little bits and pieces. So I don't I don't know that I feel the pressure of the chair so much. Uh, I also know that we're going to have tremendous support at ESPN. There's no way uh, we'll go on the air for our first show without being completely ready to roll. I mean, I I think we'd probably be ready to roll now because we all love it that much. Uh, in terms of joining ESPN, it's a thrill. I mean, as Alex said earlier, like it's the gold medal standard. Baseball tonight and what ESPN did with Sunday Night Baseball back in the day led the way for MLB Network, for Fox to a degree. And to be a part of that now is, is uh, exciting, and it's, it's something of an honor as well. And Alex, did you want to comment on that part? On which part? The first part on 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 the pressure. That's right. Yeah, I mean, look, look if Matt feels pressure, who's been doing this over twenty years, I mean, I, I've got a master at screwing up, so I, I'm, I'm 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 certainly ready. I'm uh, for that. I think um, it, it's just like getting your at bats. I, I always tell. Um, you know, coaches and executives, when they ask me about young players, um, you know, like the book, you need, you need your 10,000 hours as players. I don't really like to make decisions on players, whether they're going to be good, bad, or indifferent, before they have 2,500 at-bats, which is five seasons. And there's a lot of reasons for that number. Um, I almost feel the same way uh, about broadcasting. And hopefully, for our sake, it doesn't take me 2,500 hours or, or games. But I think there is an, a certain amount of repetition that goes in comfort level uh, and really getting to know uh, kind of Matt and Jeff's superpower and their strengths and kind of where they like to go. And look, it's like a, like a fast break, right? And, and Matt's point guard, he's Magic Johnson running point. And I think his job is to set up Jessica and I as, as well as possible. And, and hopefully we can, um, you know, finish. Yeah. I was wondering if you guys could talk about your, with the process of cutting uh, ESPN would like for you guys. The process of getting there, Shlomo, is that what you're talking about? Yes. Um, you know, I, I forget uh, in, as far as time date stamps, like when that actually began for me, but it, I know it, it was certainly on everybody's radar when Dan announced his intentions to, to not return to Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, and I think likewise when the Yankees chose Aaron Boone to manage them, um, I'm sure there were a, a big group of former players turned analysts or players about to turn analysts who, who took notice of that. So for me, there were a series of discussions with uh, producers and executives. Um, there was a lot of getting to know you. I think the folks at ESPN wanted to know who I was and how I like to work. Um, you know, you can turn on the TV and watch any of us and kind of know what you're going to get from an on-air standpoint. But I think um, I think people wanted to know kind of who I was because I was coming to the party as a virtual unknown in Bristol. I don't really have a lot of connections there, so to speak. So most of the folks that I met along the way, I was meeting for the first time, and, and that was pretty cool. Uh, I still think there's something cool to being on the campus there that, you know, as a longtime viewer and a, uh, a sports fan myself, it's it's not lost on you that it's kind of cool to be a part of that. So I think the process was them getting to know me, and I kind of wanted to know them, too, because, you know, you hear a lot about uh, about ESPN, and it was nice to put faces to names and, and meet people uh, for myself. How about that for a vague answer, Shlomo? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Shlomo. Let's go to David Barron at the Houston Chronicle, followed by Charles Curtis at USA Today. Uh, I'm late in joining, so I'm not sure how much you're discussing uh, on-field things as opposed to this, the setting up of the broadcast, but I'd be curious to get thoughts on what the Astros have done in the off season and what their 
what they have to do again to succeed this next season. Go for it, Jess. Oh, I have a dog barking in the background. Yeah, yeah, he's 20, 23 pounds at 80 decibels. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. The Astros have a lot of dog left in them. There you go. That's just a little sampling of the quick wit that you're going to get on Sunday nights, America. Bang. <laughs> no, that was me, Matt. That was terrible. Let, let Jessica, oh. let's let Jessica oh, was... answer the question. Correct. Wait a minute, Steph. We need to get you in the booth occasionally for the zingy oh, no. one-liners. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Jessica, please speak about the Houston Astros. Um, I actually just left West Palm yesterday and was with um, Jose Altuve and Marwin and Dallas and Justin and a bunch of the guys that are there training right now. And it's funny because you always think about uh, and just, you know, talking to them about how they can get better, what they could add, what they could subtract. Um <laughs> The biggest thing that has always stood out to me, even since 2015, um, with that team is, is, is their chemistry. And I know that sounds so cliche, but they're ridiculously talented, yes. And they've got, I mean, so much uh, all, all over the board. But what, what really worked was when they brought in the veterans this last season and had that blend to kind of allow those younger guys to grow up a little bit um, under the spotlight and be able to handle it. And just sitting there <laughs> watching them like and this time of year is fun because you know there's no one out there it's 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 january you know and and just the way that they're they're teaching each other they're talking and alex knows this cuz he you know he did it for so many years but that's the kind of stuff to me when i i look at this team and granted you got to get the whole team together again but it's it's the way that they enjoy the game together it's the way they understand each other they pick each other's brains they pick each other up they're standing in on each other and then Justin and Dallas throwing to those two and and being able to kind of be be that that team and as much as, as they are talented and I'm sure they could add a lot more when I look at them and what they needed to do this offseason it was just spend more time together and keep doing what they're doing um, even though I'm sure the hangover will be a little more apparent um, I'm still excited about this Houston team. And then Matt and Alex, uh, either of you want to jump in on the Astros and moves they've made this off season so far? I think uh, this is Matt. I think you know you add Garrett Cole, who was uh, a top of the rotation guy for a pretty good Pittsburgh team. And that rotation that he's joining is so good that he becomes the number four. I mean, that speaks volumes for the depth that they've assembled there. Uh, they are loaded, in my mind, for a number of years. This is not going to be a, a one-and-done, one-hit-wonder thing. I think they're sustainable. I think to kind of get back to what Alex was talking about earlier regarding the Marlins, uh, you got to kind of tear it down to the studs and then build the way you want to. And I know it's that's not exactly a hot take. Everybody said the same thing about building a, a championship caliber team, but they did it the right way. I mean, you can you can have that blueprint and still miss on the guys. They didn't miss on anybody, and it started when when Jeff Luno took over and that first awesome draft he had, and I think it was 2015. Was it 15 when he got Correa and then McCullers? I mean. They have nailed it at every step, and as Jess mentioned, they bring in the veterans. They kind of they kind of zigged a little bit off of their stats-driven uh, uh, sabermetrics build and brought in some character guys. And I think a lot of the um, old-time baseball people with salt in their caps liked seeing that. And yeah, they're going to be good for a long time. Yeah, so I mean kind of echoing what, what Matt and Jessica said. I, I, I think, look, Jeff Luno, he, um, he's an interesting guy because he was the architect of the Cardinals in 2006 in the 11 championship season. Um, but much like Theo Epstein, while, while Sabermetrics uh, sits very high in their priority, uh, both Theo and, and Jeff understand that it's a human game and essentially end up playing 200 games in 232 days. And those 32 days, half of them are flying cross-country or whatnot. And then to have the kind of the feel to then bring in uh, players like McCann and Carlos Beltran, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really beautifully done. And, and if you think of what Beltran did for that team, 
essentially they had a two-headed monster managing that team. It was A.J. Hinge, but you also had uh, Alex Cora and you had Carlos Beltran really, really being a, almost like a big brother, father figure to a lot of the young players like Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa. And then as far as, like, if there was ever a pitcher that even thought about tipping a pitch, um, boy, is it nice when you walk into the clubhouse and Carlos is waiting for you and he says, um, Jose, if uh, the pitcher does this, the fastball, if he does that, is a curveball. And I just cannot tell you how much confidence that brings into a clubhouse at 3 o'clock. At 3.15, you already know the game is won, and, and it's still four hours from the first pitch. By the way, 2012 from McCullers and Correa. My bad. I just Googled it. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you, David. Um, just a few more here. We're going to go to Charles Curtis with USA Today, followed by Mac Engel with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Hi, everybody. Thanks for doing this. A um, couple of questions. Um, first for Jessica and Matt. Um, I wanted to know if, if you've seen Alex on the air, and, and if so, or him behind the scenes preparing if what you can tell me about Alex that, that makes him so special uh, on the air um, uh, and, and uh, anything you've noticed or, or taken note of over the, the years that he's been doing on the air. And Alex, a question for you. Um, I just want to know what this year has, has meant to you and, and if your head is spinning in some way, given that you're, you're on magazine covers and you're doing, now you're joining ESPN and, and you're doing Shark Tank. So uh, anything like that you can talk about. Jess, go for it. Um, yeah, I, I would say the biggest thing that stood out uh, was the prep. Um, that, that's something I always appreciate, especially when you're with someone of his name and stature. And, and a lot of times, and Matt's probably seen this more than I have, is you, you'll see players that, you know, when they have a name, they can they can roll in. And people just want to hear their opinion regardless if they prepared or not. And I think what stood out to me from the beginning was just, seeing him the day before a game out there on the field, talking to guys, learning, asking questions. Um, anyone that knows or has been around Alex, even as a player, that's how he approached it. But you don't always see that transition um, into television. I think it's just it's something that I feel like is so important to get to know the guys that are on the field and not just the game that you understand. And to see that from him from the beginning, and it comes across when he's on air, is I mean, even right now answering different questions. He, he doesn't – necessarily have to um there's so many athletes that that can just rely on the name and who they are and i i've always appreciated the fact that he he goes well beyond um and that's what i'm looking forward to too is to to kind of understand where his brain goes where he wants to to learn more and understand and then picking it from there but it comes across on air and it has from the beginning yeah, I think that's perfectly stated um when i watched alex the same thing struck me in that you just don't find a guy who's one of the best players to ever play a sport who, A, likes it as much as Alex does, and B, is so so detail-oriented that it, it makes it clear how why and how he got to be as good as he was on the field because I don't think he was ever one of those guys that played and just kicked it into whatever I'm Alex Rodriguez gear. If anybody could do that as an analyst, it would be somebody like Alex just to kind of default to uh, cliches and broad statements, and you just don't get any of that from him. You get the sense that he's watching, he's researching and talking to people and and doing the layered kind of analysis that you might not get from somebody who's accomplished as much as he has as an athlete. For me, though, that I'm, I'm blown away that he has the time to do that given the frequency of Instagram posts he sends out. It's unbelievable. I don't know where he finds time to do anything <laughs> given all the Instagram posts. We're gonna, by the way, Sunday Night Booth, one of my unstated goals here, I want to, Alex, maybe you can make this happen. I'm not on Instagram. If we can top the Kardashian what? Instagram total, yes, we got <laughs> until the end of October. If we could send out more Instagram posts than the Kardashians, it's, it's a job accomplished for me. I love it, man. We'll have to do at least three for every Sunday. Three every Sunday. You don't realize what you just signed up for, Matt. You have no idea what that is. Hey, Matt, you'll meet my daughters. They are great teachers. Oh, for Instagram? Yeah, they're the best. 
if they can get if they can get a so a a, a kind of reluctant um, social media fifty year old like me to jump on board, then they they have a great future in the industry ahead of them. <laughs> Okay, let's go to Bob McManaman at the Arizona Republic, and we'll finish with Steve Silva at Dirty Water Sports in Boston. Bob. Thanks, guys. Uh, Alex and Matt, uh, I'm curious to think how intrigued you are about uh, the Angels signing of Otani, uh, and uh, both of your comments on anybody from the NL uh, uh, West, particularly the Dodgers, Diamondbacks. Uh, what are you seeing from those two teams, and, and of course, Otani? Um, I'll go first on Otani. I mean, I think we're we're all waiting with bated breath to see what this guy is going to become. And look, we've seen it before. Players that come from abroad with big billing, some of them hit, some of them don't. So, uh, you know, the fact that he he's been renowned as one of the best power hitters in the Japanese professional league, and we know about what he can accomplish on the mound, too, uh, we want to see not only if he can do both in the big leagues, but if he'll be allowed to do both. And I think, depending on who you listen to and what you read, he may or may not have a chance to DH frequently or pinch hit frequently. I'm not sure if he's going to turn into a one-side-of-the-scorecard-only guy down the road, but I mean, it's one of the great storylines and some of the great intrigue of the season to see what Otani becomes. And there's going to be pressure on him immediately to be that guy. It's not going to be much of a learning curve there. I think people want to see it in April. Uh, in terms of the West, the, the NL West, I, the team that I think is really interesting out there is the Diamondbacks because J.D. Martinez meant so much to them in the second half of the season. I think it's a shame that it sounds like he's priced out from returning there. You never say never, but that's not what the tea leaves are telling us now. Uh, had he returned, I, you've got to consider them one of the favorites in a completely loaded division where the Rockies have added great bullpen depth. Uh, the Padres could be a little bit better than last year, still perhaps a little ways away. The Dodgers are the vanguard of the division. And while the Giants have added significantly to their median age, they have also uh, put some pop back into a lineup that really suffered from a lack thereof last year. I mean, if you were to tell anybody that we're going to give you we're going to add, not give you, because they had to pay for it, but we're going to add Andrew McCutcheon and Evan Longoria in the same offseason, you'd say, wow, we're, we're instant contenders. And if Bumgarner's healthy again, which he should be, Samarja coming off a career year, Cueto with plenty of gas left in the tank, Melanson has to be better than he was last year. The Giants are going to be a, a force again in that division. So the NL West is fun. Uh, Otani's going to be must-see TV for a long time, I hope. And I love the fact that, that the game is healthy in all three quadrants of the country, in both central divisions, uh, both eastern divisions, and particularly out west. Alex, anything on Otani? Yeah, look, as a baseball fan, I am incredibly intrigued to see how Otani uh, both does in baseball uh, in hitting and also uh, as a starter. Um, I will say this. I think w- what makes Major League Baseball, not only uh, the best league in the world, but it also the most challenging is, is how long it is. It, it is a marathon. And it will be really interesting to see the residual. I wouldn't judge it really the first three or four months that he plays. I, I think it's, you know, month eight, nine, ten, somewhere in the middle of the second season, uh, the amount of work, preparation, um, rotator cuffs, uh, weightlifting, exercising, running that you need to do to get yourself ready for 35 starts. Boy, that, that's a really long season. So I, I'm super interested to see how that develops. Um, from the National League West, it's always interesting to see how Goliath does and, and how they come back. I mean, if you think about one of the best World Series I've seen in a really long time uh, and some really exciting games, uh, it ended, uh, you know, in a very anticlimactic way in Game 7. The game was over basically eight or nine, ten pitches into the game of uh, Darvish. So be interesting how they come back, how they bounce back. Um, and then San Francisco, they've been kind of out of it a little bit. They've been, in many ways, the gold standard um, 
behind Bruce Bochy on, on how they play baseball, um, the kind of players they get. Uh, obviously, one of the most uh, incredible playing atmospheres in all of baseball. So they've loaded up again. Uh, Bumgarner's back healthy, so I'm interested to see if they get back uh, you know, on the horse. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you, and let's go to Steve Silva at Dirty Water Sports. Hi, thank you very much. This question is for Alex Rodriguez. Alex, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball always serves up a heavy dose of Red Sox-Yankees on Sunday night. Now you're going to be in that booth, and you've got quite the storied history uh, as a nemesis of uh, Red Sox fans and uh, being there. What is that going to be like for you now to be calling those games at Fenway and, and talk a little bit about your relationship with Boston and maybe how it's evolved? And also how you see the Red Sox as a team who has uh, really not replaced your friend David Ortiz since he retired. The offense has slipped, and, and where do you see them in their standing coming into the season? Yeah, so part of my deal with ESPN was get extra beefy security when we get to Fenway Park. <laughs> I'll be hanging out with Matt and Jessica there. <laughs> um, as far as the Red Sox, look, you couldn't be in better hands than Dave Dombrowski. I, I really think when it comes to uh, baseball executives, he is uh, the gold standard. Uh, he's won. All he understands is winning. He's a uh, very creative, out-of-the-box thinker. Uh, while he understands sabermetrics uh, and welcomes it very well, again, uh, much like Jeff and Theo Epstein, he, he understands the human element. Uh, he is a big fan of baseball players. And I think in, in the world today, we have over 15 teams that have um, Ivy League Ivy League driven front offices. There's an incredible blind spot out there that if you can think like a contrarian, whether you're Buck Showalter or you're Dave Dombrowski, uh, I think there's a, a great opportunity to find some unbelievable value for 50 or 60 cents of the dollar. And I think um, as far as David Ortiz, look, it's impossible to replace Tom Brady or Larry Bird or, or Magic Johnson, whatever iconic uh, player who's won multiple championships, uh, you're not going to replace David. So um, you have to figure out other ways through speed and defense and through health of you know, the likes of David Price and Chris Sale. I think the Red Sox are in good shape. I think uh, the Dodgers are in good shape, the Yankees. Anytime we have Goliath and the big market teams playing to their capability, that's good and healthy for our game. Thank you, Steve, and thank you to all members of the media for joining today. A special thank you to Alex, Matt, Jessica, and Stephanie for going just about an hour with us. We really appreciate it. More to come from this Sunday night baseball team. We're very excited to start the season this year. Um, and look out for that Instagram campaign that apparently is forthcoming. Matt, you'll take the lead on that. On it. <laughs> thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, everybody.